Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Budget Podcast. This is a space where we have conversations about governance, transparency, and accountability, citizens, and institutional engagement in Nigeria. I am your host, Nancy Odimego. On our last podcast, we captured conversations surrounding the Petroleum Industry Bill, and we focused on challenges around the passage of the bill. But for this particular episode, we will be focusing on something entirely different. We'll be talking specifically about demanding budget reform for resource optimization. This is equally very important because budget has over the years been carrying out research as well as preparing reports about the limitations of budgetary allocations in Nigeria and how the government can better prepare the nation's budget to address other socio-economic challenges. But I'm not alone today. Joining me in the conversation is Abel Akeni. Abel is the head, research and policy advisory for budgets. Nice to have you, Abel. Hi, everyone. Thank you, Nancy. It's good to be here. We equally have Vayala Kwaga, uh, a senior research and policy analyst. Vayala. Hello, Nancy. Hello, Abel. Great being here. Welcome, guys. Uh, So let's delve into today's discussion. Budget recently released a detailed report on 2021 budget analysis. Uh, It's no news. It was talking about the key macroeconomic as well as fundamentals around the 2021 budget. The report also discussed potentials of the budget to deliver a full economic recovery. And it also unveiled some corruption trends amongst other reform issues. We'll be having four key areas. Uh, The first is the trends to watch out for in the 2021 budget analysis, the critical issues for budget reforms, sectoral analysis, as well as some gaps in the implementation of laws. So uh, let's delve in. Let's take a look at the key trends in the 2021 budget. Let's have Abel first. What are those trends that are noticeable in Nigeria's budget and uh, what realities do these trends point to? Um, Thank you very much, Nancy. Um, so I think I will just touch on two trends um, okay. very quickly. Um, one of the first things we have observed in this budget is that um, Nigeria's debt servicing is rising. Um, and for the uninitiated, debt servicing is basically um, the obligations or the interests we have to pay on um, previous debts, um, local and foreign debts that have okay. been um, obtained by both this government and the past government. Um, for 2021, um, the total projected amount we would spend on debt servicing comes to about 3.31 um, trillion, and that will wipe out nearly 41% of Nigeria's um, projected um, revenue. And it's important to take this into consideration because if we're spending nearly half of our revenue just to um, service past debts, it means that we just have less than about 50% of all incoming revenue um, to carry out on developmental projects. So this is why um, it's an important trend to watch because each time you take a debt and when it comes to the time to repay, those debts um, or those interest payments basically crowd out um, revenue for other developmental projects. So monies that should ideally be used for road constructions, for school constructions, now going to servicing on past debts. So it's important. Everyone needs to pay attention. Each time you hear the government is going out for a loan, um, it's important to say to ask questions on what exactly will be done precisely um, with this additional debt. Um, just recently, the federal government had announced that um, they will be obtaining or they went to the National Assembly to seek for approval okay. to get about 2.3 um, trillion naira additional. 
um, citizens need to step up and ask what exactly will these monies be dedicated to because ultimately future generations will bear the debt responsibility for debt servicing. So that's one interesting trend, um, albeit a dangerous one we have seen in the 2021 budget. Um, so a second trend we observed is that the deficits for the budget is actually rising um, very dangerously. And what do we mean by deficit? deficit yes. So essentially deficit is the difference um, between the government's total projected expenditure and what we can expect to get from all our revenue sources. Um, so the difference is referred to as the deficit. And very often the government might finance that by um, borrowing from either the local capital market or from um, foreign investors. Um, those are two popular ways for financing um, deficits. Um, in Nigerian's case, um, there might be situations where we may look at selling off past asset, um, some, some previously owned government assets, um, but these are options for financing the deficit. And what we've observed in 2021 is that the deficit is, I think, currently stands at about 5.6 trillion, um, which is the difference between the revenue we're going to make, um, about 7.9 trillion, and the total expenditure we project, which is about 3.5 um, trillion. So that difference is what gives us this huge amount of deficit for which we now have to run around the helter skelter um, to borrow. Um, and just for context, yes. the 5.6 trillion deficit we have right now is more than three times what we paid in 2016 um, as our deficit or what we spent as our deficit. So you can see that between 2016 and now, the deficit for the federal government has been rising. Um, and it's important for Nigerians to pay attention to this deficit because a huge component of this deficit might comprise of setting wasteful government projects um, and setting uh, frivolous items in the government's um, budget. Some of those might be um, responsible for actually making the total expenditures balloon. So they, it's important for citizens to call on the government to say um, it's important to cut down the cost of um, governance. Okay. It's important to clamp down on frivolous items in the budget um, as those are real ways through which we can um, um, reduce the current um, 5.6 trillion um, naira deficit. Otherwise, we'll find ourselves um, going cap in hands um, to borrow more funds um, and that has larger implications for our future um, debt servicing obligations. Um, so I think I'll pause here and let you have the floor. So speaking about implication here, let's go to uh, Vayala Kwaga. Uh, what implications would this pose now to the economy, considering the debt servicing that is rising, the deficit and everything put together? I think the implications are quite straightforward. For one, there's going to be far less money that the government has to spend. And of course, there are several sub-problems that arise under that. Social spending is definitely going to reduce. Spending on infrastructure will definitely reduce as well. And these will have pernicious impacts on the incomes and livelihoods of Nigerians who are already undergoing serious amounts of suffering. But looking at some of the, some of the other implications of this deficit, you find out that where the government has less money to spend, it's even going to affect the private sector. Some people think about economics in terms of how much the government can bring into the economy through its investment. 
and creating an, an enabling environment for businesses to thrive. And it's just common sense to, to think about it there. Where the government has less money, it means businesses will have less to work with. Okay. It means that the entire economy from individual citizens to private sector entities to the government itself will begin to do progressively worse. Less revenue means less expenditure. So I think if we look at these implications in terms of just how little will be left for the rainy day, just how little will be left for carrying out infrastructure, it really paints a very, very stark picture. The, the, the good thing is that we know what these challenges are. Solving them is a completely different question because it would require the government to prioritize what it is spending on now. It would require the government to plug leakages in its spending, in its governance, in its administration of uh, the country. As you mentioned earlier, budget has done work in, 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 in analyzing the budget, for example, okay. the Nigerian budget. And we've seen that there are instances where wastages occur. These are not you know, out of the way. These are things that have happened several times. So we call upon the government to really comprehend that every little thing counts. It's one or two, several drops that fill up the bucket, but the drops have to fall. So these are the drops that we're referring to. These leakages, this wastage, this mismanagement, this inefficiency here and there. How can you gather these things together to ensure that revenue will increase at some point in the future, which will also spell well for expenditure for Nigerians and for our economic profile in general. Uh, it seems infrastructure is going to take the heavy blow. Abel already mentioned this Nigeria's 2021 projected debt servicing, which currently stands at 3.32 trillion naira, will wipe out 41.63%. That's nearly half of the country's 2021 projected revenue of 7.99 trillion. Now, from this analysis, debt servicing is gulping 41, okay, out of the projected 7.99 trillion naira. Now, this means that the government will have to borrow. So, how sustainable? is this now how sustainable is it if the governments borrow more funds to sustain the budget level thank you very much nancy for that particular question um i think the direct answer to that is that it's very unsustainable um, and no matter how hard the government tries to mask the problem mm -hmm. it will ultimately um, become visible it will ultimately manifest um, and i mean if you think about it right uh, Look at the crisis we had in 2020, where we had significant drop in government revenue as a result of um, the COVID-19 pandemic okay. and the fiscal shocks that induced. Um, a situation like that actually means that the government will get less revenue. So even what it projects to borrow will be way more. So if we face those types of shocks in 2021, we may end up even borrowing more than um than is currently projected but even more important than that is to realize that at our current revenue generation level we are still not covering all our expenditure even with the loans from conventional sources from the local capital market from foreign capital markets such that the central bank has had to intervene over the past five to six years um, by lending money or by creating money i think people call it printing of money right but central bank of nigeria has essentially had to intervene in that way as the lender of last resort 
to the federal government. So when it couldn't get loans um, from foreign investors or from local investors, central bank had to step in. And that's not very sustainable when your central bank has to print to essentially create money um, just to support you on an ongoing basis. So beyond the government even going out to um, borrow from foreign or local investors, what they are borrowing is still not sufficient because it's often very difficult for them to hit their revenue projection targets. So this is why we say it's not sustainable because at the current rate, they still have to run back to the CBN to get extra um, extra funding. So I would say it's not sustainable. And if we rely also on um, the Article 4 consultation report put out by the IMF, uh, you will, the IMF put out a very um, um, damning statistics that should wake every Nigerian up. And they essentially said that at the current rate of borrowing, or at the current rate the country is going, that if the country experienced another set of macrofiscal shocks, similar to what we experienced um, during the COVID-19 period, by 2025, we would face a situation where the cost of debt servicing, which is the cost, cost of paying back interests on past debts, would have risen to 237% of the revenue that will be made in that particular year. If that happened, that's a full-blown crisis, which is why we think this approach is not very sustainable. It's an approach that needs to be revisited. It's an approach that needs to get every Nigerian asking the government, what are they doing to get us out of this dangerous fiscal situation? Okay, so that will take us to the next question. If the approach is unsustainable, have we considered expanding our revenue? What options do the government have? Vahala. So, thanks for that question. I think... The government has come out with several policy documents on how it intends to expand its revenue from ramping up investments in agriculture and the numerous loans that the CBN asserts that it has provided to farmers all across the country to improve agriculture. What Nigerians want to know is, have you gotten value for your money? If you are, if you claim you have invested over 200 billion naira in the past two or three years, just how much evidence do you have that this 200 billionaire has improved the incomes of farmers in Nigeria. Another area where the government, I think, is trying to improve or improve a sector is in telecommunications by liberalization of the sector, allowing foreign players to come in. I can say, fortunately, that the telecom sector is doing pretty well. Okay. The anal- a recent analysis of NBS figures on sectoral contributions to GDP from telecoms showed that it was the highest contributing sector even in even during the COVID-19 period. Mm. So you could say in some way that there's a correlation between the government's efforts to open up the telecom sector and the amount of revenue it produces for that sector. But the amount of revenue it produces may not say much about how much the government earns in tax at the end of the day. So this goes back to the question of just what should a government do in an economy. Governments are meant to fund their spending through taxation. Where sectors are not contributing optimally, it means the government has less to spend. So the government needs to ask itself and ask Nigerians, where should this spending be directed to, to ensure that not only is the revenue going to be steady, but it would produce enough that we can have some to spend on Nigerians themselves. So this is not an easy conversation. It's a very complex one. And 
from what I have gone through recently, from what I've seen in the news recently, the government is taking steps at one, ensuring that the tech space grows. I, I, I believe that globally, the tech industry and information technology are, are one sector that hold promise for creating revenue. I think agriculture is one of the usual suspects. And if you do not have a means to be competitive, then your agri-sector cannot be expected to produce optimally. It cannot be expected to produce enough to serve your country and, like Mr. Kenny has spoken quite extensively on, manage your debt. So, so by and large, yes, the government is thinking, it's taking steps towards diversifying its income and revenue sources, but it does need to go away from oil and fund and sponsor and invest in Nigeria's human capital to, to really raise its revenue uh, profile. Going away from oil, that's one of the takeaways from that point. So let's proceed to budget reforms and uh, some of the critical issues, uh, Abel. So what are the most pressing issues for budget reforms that have been identified in the document? And if it's possible for the country to have a corruption-proof document? Hmm. So let me approach it this way. Um, so there are several issues that need urgent reforms. Okay. Um, obviously, the country has to prioritize and pick the low-hanging fruits that can yield um, immediate um, results. Um, first and foremost, I would say that the country's budget is riddled with a lot of frivolous items um, and with a lot of items that are not ideally um, priorities or that shouldn't be priorities um, for the country. Um, and to be fair to the federal government, they are also making um, some efforts to read the budget of some of these um, frivolous items, um, but we would like to see them do more. And I say they are making some efforts because um, when the proposed 2021 budget came out, we had written to them, we flagged off over 200 um, frivolous items and inflated items in the budget. Um, and of all the 200 items we flagged, um, there were some that the um, government intervened and took out completely. Um, and there were some that were raised that were inflated um, and the government um, cut down um, the, the allocations. If I give you a few examples here, um, I think there was a provision for Africa's, Africa's First Lady's um, Mission Project. Um, which was allocated um, a 1 billion naira um, as under their capital allocation and we raised it that th this project is vague and most times it's used for coordinating meetings um, between several African first ladies um, and ultimately Nigeria is spending about 1 billion naira of its capital expenditure to fund that particular um, project so we flagged it um, and ultimately um, the National Assembly reduced that expenditure by about 800 million. So um, there's an 800 million savings from um, that issue that we had raised. Um, so there are several other incidences um, of frivolous and inflated items in the budget, but totally um, on the whole, the government, I think, or the National Assembly cut out um, 36 billion naira worth of inflated projects um, from the proposed budget um, to um, what was eventually passed um, as the approved budget but um, would like to see them do more because in as much as they removed a lot of the frivolous items um, we still saw the insertion of um, other new frivolous items some of which were not previously there um, and i'll give an example 
Um, if you look at the Nebet's budget, the bulk electricity in trading company, if you look at that agency's budget, we had previously raised um, that there was a 150 billion naira allocated for um, power sector reforms. And we had asked that the National Assembly and the federal government needs to clarify to citizens what, what are the components of that reforms. What will the 150 billion naira be spent on? Um, and if there was no um, valid explanation, um, that amount really needs to be cut. Um, so till date, the National Assembly and the government never provided an explanation to the Nigerian people on what that amount um, or what the breakdown for that amount will be used for. What we saw was that by the time the uh, approved budget or by the time the Appropriation Act was approved, we saw a new item in the bulk electricity trading company's budget um, for 7.6 billion. And guess what? This line item was just stated as Senate 5%. 7.6 billion naira. And that's just there in 5%. And the thing is, that was never there by the time the budget office sent the budget to the National Assembly. We never observed it there. But it was in returning the budget to um, the presidency, a new line item was included. So which is why I say, uh, while the government should be commended for um, making some progress in reducing certain frivolous items, there are other new critical um, line items that were also inserted into the budget that the government urgently needs to ensure that um, they, they, they take out um, of, of the budget. There are several other issues we have with this current budget and one of them is that there are instances of um, padded budgets or padded capital um, projects and what do I mean by that? Um, that when we say capital budget padding we are referring to a situation where projects that are not capital in nature projects that are um, completely frivolous in nature uh, or not necessarily frivolous in nature but they are not capital expenditures but they are smuggled into the capital budget as capital expenditures um, so in this particular one we've seen instances where um, meetings have been called capital expenditures ministry of information and culture they have a 14 million allocation for a joint meeting they are conducting and it's under their capital expenditure uh, you have several other agencies like that. As a matter of fact, we counted about 112 different government agencies that have allocations um, for meetings, conferences within their capital expenditure budgets. And these are not capital expenditure line items. And when we have a budget that is riddled with non-capex items, the implication is that when the government comes out and says, oh, we're spending $4 trillion on capital infrastructure, in reality, when funds disbursement starts, we will not spend as much on capital infrastructure because many of these items are going elsewhere to other projects that are not capital um, in nature. So this is one of the issues um, we observed in the budget um, that the government also needs to look at. Another very critical occurrence in this year's budget was um, the presence of um, misplaced uh, priorities and misaligned priorities. Um, this is a scenario where agencies that do not have the mandate to execute certain projects now have significant allocations to themselves to carry out those particular projects. A case in point here is the Nigerian Ag Agricultural Seeds Council, which now has um, in the 2021 budget a 400 million naira allocation for um, for conducting or for installing solar street lights. The Agricultural Seed Council is not set up 
for constructing that type of infrastructure. So they have a contract for doing that across six geopolitical zones. And they are not alone. There are several other government agencies like that that have um, allocations for projects that are completely outside their mandate. As a matter of fact, there are about 86 agencies in the government currently carrying out road construction. So once you fragment the country's road construction budget across 86 different agencies, how much impact are we really going to make in terms of the quality of the roads um, to be constructed across the country when 86 different people, some of who do not have competency in road constructions, are now um, in a position to allocate contracts to themselves um, for constructing um, for constructing those roads. And if I will go back to the National Agricultural Seed Council, because this um, the Agricultural Seed Council, because this ties into the next point I'm going to make. Um, Beyond the fact that it's not uh, within its mandate to install solo streetlights, the truth remains that we observe that that particular project was duplicated. So while it received an allocation for um, construction of solar streetlights across um, the six geopolitical zones, we found out that word for word, that same project was also allocated to a different agency for construction of solar streetlights across several geopolitical zones of the country. And this brings me to the point um, where we observed that there were multiple occurrences of duplicated projects in the federal government budget. Um, we had um, situations where a bridge is allocated um, for construction in a particular community to a particular agency, and then you move to a different agency, you see an allocation for that same bridge in that same community. So there were instances like that across the budget um, and we've counted them and we're very happy to continue to share um, with the federal government and ensure that some of these duplications in the budget um, document are actually resolved. Let me ask, is it possible to have a budget that reflects the revenue strength, you know, without depending solely or so much on borrowing? Why yelling out? Definitely, it's, it's very, very possible. But this will go back to the issue of politics. Just how do we think about politics in Nigeria? Is politics an avenue for people to enrich themselves? Or is it an avenue for those in government, appointees, and the civil service to actually create value for money? Theoretically, people have governments because they can't do everything themselves. So a government is meant to provide health care for you because a community in a town cannot bring money together and create a world-class hospital or create a primary school, a secondary school, and a university. In reality, Nigerians rarely feel the impact of governance. And this is why countries measure some of these things. They measure people's participation in politics. They measure nutrition. They measure educational attainment. They measure health. They measure employment. We, we, we measure some of these things. But I, I constantly ask myself and my colleagues here at Budgets, does the government actually use this information to make decisions? The very same pressure we put on the central government and for the, the administration of Buhari to pay more attention to civil servants is the same arguments we should be having at the level of states. Budget comes out every year with its state of states document because we are convinced that management of states, if done well,
can improve the economy as well. The federal government doesn't need to be the largest employer of labor. The states can pull their weight and add to the value uh, that governance is meant to bring. So coming back to your question, we can have a budget that reflects our revenue profiles. But if we were to have one that does that now, we would have very, very little to spend. And this is why the urgency to create and to diversify the economy, the urgency to improve security, which is a fundamental aspect of any nation. You cannot carry out commerce if you are scared of being kidnapped. You cannot be a businessman if, 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 if inflation is going to make a mess of your earnings. So these are the questions we need to ask ourselves. How do we do our politics? How do we think about our politics? What kinds of demands do we place on our political office holders? What kind of oversight? What kind of supervision? What type of punishment happens when civil servants run afoul of their duty to protect the interests of the state? improving security i think that's one of the features that we're going to kick start in our next episode so we need our listeners to look out for that uh, because of time we're going to be pausing here for today but in our next episode we'll be talking about sectorial analysis as well as um, some of the laws to be implemented and we'll follow that up with recommendations abel mentioned uh, misplaced priorities frivolous items and capital expenditure padding and that was uh, some of his response to having a corruption proof budget you also mentioned um innovations from the tech space technology as well as telecommunication network so because of time we're going to take uh, a pause for now so thank you for uh joining us today thank you abel uh, akeni he is the head research and policy advisory for budget and vayala kwaga senior research and policy analyst do you have anything to say uh, you know as your goodbyes for this episode so I'll just round up by saying um, thank you for the opportunity to share uh, our thoughts. Um, we are happy to be here. And I'll say that um, even before our next episode, there are recommendations for the government okay. um, to pick up in the um, policy documents that we put out. Um, so we are not just here um, to castigate the government. Um, the ultimate role of having these conversations is to ensure that uh, we get both citizens and the government interested enough um, to really take action and see how serious um, some of these issues are. Um, until we meet next time, um, thank you once again for having us. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Well, uh, thank you for joining us today on Budget Podcast. Don't forget to send in your comments, observations, and contributions via tweets. On our Twitter page is at BudgetNG, on Facebook, BudgetNG, and on Instagram, it's also BudgetNG. I am Nancy, your host. Until next time, bye for now. Bye.